you think you know what we're going to talk about. And welcome back to Three Fates Decide. It just sounds more dramatic that way. All right, so this week we are going to be talking about... But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. One Will Smith slot Chris Rock. I mean, we always celebrated Easter. Here's part of the Half-Blood Prince. So we're going to do another free talk, freestyle thing, no planned discussion. At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. But we're going to hit the, the main highlight. That is the thing that we were saying back in that episode. Quick recap. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Three Fates Decide. My name is Sam, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Liz and Mary. Say hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. And for our first episode back, after our little hiatus there, we are going to talk about something that just happened this past weekend, but by the time you listen to this, it'll be about a, you know, a month since. <laughs> but that is uh, the coronation of King Charles III who is the king of England, or the king of England, the Commonwealth, about a bajillion places. So there you go. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So this was a historic moment because most people in the world have not seen coronation because his mother was the longest reigning British monarch as she was uh, coronated 70 years ago uh, in 63. I'm sorry, 53. Um, and uh, so now he was coronated in uh, 23. So he is the 40th reigning monarch in to be crowned since 1066. A little fun fact for you. So we're just going to kind of go over some quick things about the actual ceremony. Um, who was there? Uh, some of the drama surrounding people's feelings on the subject, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's been mixed reviews. And uh, yeah. So uh, I am one of those crazy people. So I have mentioned I live in New Jersey in the U.S. And I had to wake up at 5 a.m. in order to watch this. And at five was when he was just getting into uh, the Diamond Jubilee stagecoach. So normally they they take the golden coach that he, he rode on the way back that everyone and their mom has said it's like uber uncomfortable, the golden state coach. So he took his mom's Diamond Jubilee state coach there so he could be a little bit more comfortable. And basically the route from Buckingham Palace is they they go down the the mall is how we say it, but they said it they say it differently with their accent. They say like the mail or something, but I'm saying the mall, sorry. Um to the uh Admiralty Arch and then make a right, go down th- you know, Whitehall, past Downing Street and all that, and then Westminster Abbey is right there. Um, so one fun fact is a lot of people were talking about how, um, the Waleses, so his son and daughter-in-law, the prince and princess of Wales, everyone was saying that they were late because they were technically supposed to be in before Charles and Camilla showed up, but they actually walked in behind them. 
And it turned out that they weren't late. Uh, Charles and Camilla got there early. They left on time because everything was timed to the minute for this whole thing. So they left Buckingham Palace on time. But those horses obviously did not want to do this and like booked it to Westminster Abbey to the point that they got there like 15 minutes early. And uh, this person's like, we're not standing around for this shit. We're going. <laughs> well, it was raining. It was cold. They didn't want to do it. <laughs> exactly. They're like, we don't want to stand here and wait. We're just gonna. We're going. <laughs> oh, well. so one thing. One thing that they did was they lined the streets with four. Oh, about four thousand invited guests from like armed forces, uh, veterans, the NHS, social care staff. Um, and then like all along the route, uh, civilian services, a lot of his charities, like that he invited everybody that had ever served in the country, basically having representatives along the way so that they were part of like the ceremony, which I thought was very nice. I mean, it yeah. sucked that it was cold and rainy and they had to stand outside, but it was very nice to be included, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I, mean, I I wouldn't have turned down an invitation even if it was cold and raining. Absolutely, that's something you don't want to miss. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to Williams. Yeah. You know, yeah, actually, exactly. yeah, actually, during the uh, procession to Westminster Abbey, I thought it was really interesting. Um, so I actually watched the NBC coverage because my family is in, is primarily an NBC family. Um, here in the US. Um so I thought it was kind of interesting like they point they did have a historian of course as one of the commentators and he mentioned that of course, you know, as long as, you know, now this this route is of course like not uber short, but it's not actually that long either. I think they said it's about a mile and a half, which let's be honest is not that terrible. I mean, most people, you know, that are decent walkers could walk that you know it's not like you're doing a marathon or anything right but um but what was interesting was like he pointed out that well okay a lot of the things that we saw you know during the court the whole coronation process actually originated with william the conqueror so this has been going on for like you know like just under a thousand years now and at the time, of course, there was no Buckingham Palace. This was from the Tower of London. And as um, the actual procession would go through a whole different, you know, different sections of the city of London. And it was because, which, you know, given the context is it's William the Conqueror, it makes sense, is that it's supposed to be an act of public acknowledgement and legitimacy that this man that you're watching, you know, parading through the street on the way to the coronation ceremony is your king. And it's not some other guy kind of a thing. Right. And right. And the whole procession out in the street and the parading and everything is meant to give the people, the public, the chance to see their sovereign, sovereign and acknowledge him as such. So. And of course, yeah, and of course, the Tower of London is much further away than Buckingham Palace. So, 
if Charles had to go from the Tower of London there, it would probably be more like five miles versus mm. one and a half. So. <laughs> right. And well, uh, and now thankfully, you know, everyone has TV, so they don't need yeah. to go outside and, and see in person. Yeah. Not unless they, they're like Uber into this. Right. Which right. again, I, I'd probably be there if I had a chance. I'm not going to lie. Same, same. <laughs> I mean, I may not give, I may not give two, two rat butts about the monarchy in England because, in the UK, because it's not my country. So, right. I mean, while I acknowledge it exists, I acknowledge that they're, quote unquote, the head of the country, but it's more of a figurehead, not a, it's just a title. It's not real, uh, there, there's no real responsibilities that come with it, I, su I suppose. But I still, if I got invited to it, I'd be there. Mm -hmm. I it's like, it's history, you know? Like, that's exactly. how I feel. I'm not, I'm not stupid. I may not like it, but it doesn't mean I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, so there was more than 2,200 people from 203 countries that were in Westminster Abbey uh, for, for this thing. And we'll right. kind of go through some of the different people because there was there was a nice mix uh, from there. But you know, one one thing that that I loved was that Prince George, so uh, Kate and or William and Kate's oldest son, Prince George, who is in who's third in line to the throne. Oh, he's second now. Oh, oh yeah, the yeah second. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, see, I'm telling you, I apologize. Second in line to the throne. Queen Elizabeth's gone. We're still sad about this. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he was a page right. boy and got to hold his grandfather's robe. Robe, cloak, whatever. A really heavy, heavy velvet thing that dragged behind him. <laughs> that he needed four page boys to carry it. Yes. And then yeah. Camilla's were, was actually her grandchildren that did hers. Yeah, I remember reading that three of them were her grandsons, and then the fourth kid is, like, some great nephew of hers. Yeah. So, you know, it became a family thing. Actually, I, I uh, remember I was reading, I want to say it's Vanity Fair or Harper's Bazaar, one of them. I actually had an article where they explained who all the kids were, who all eight boys were. And I mean, they don't like put like, you know, picture to name or anything, but they that's how they explained it. So for Charles, obviously, we know George, we should, you know, for any royal watchers, you should kind of recognize who what this kid looks like by now. But um, right. one of the other boys is actually Charles, one of Charles's uh, godsons, apparently. Mm, yes, I, um, I believe I did hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And then another kid. His father is actually one of um, one of those lords that works under Charles in some capacity. I don't remember the exact title, um, like his job role with Charles, but it's like one of those, like, I guess it's like one of those traditional uh, positions that you would serve for the king or the queen, whatever. Um, and then another, and then the other, and the fourth boy is actually a distant cousin of theirs, um, somewhere in, in the family. So, yeah. Hmm. They, uh, yeah. They, they definitely kept it very close. Like, 
uh, Camilla's ladies in waiting, or I don't know what they call them now, were her sister sisters. I, at least one was her sister. I don't know if both of them were, but it's so funny because when I was talking to our friend who lives in the UK, I said, I was like, wow, it's pretty funny that like those ladies, her ladies look just like her. Yeah, they're related to her. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, it so makes sense. I, thought, I, I think that's very nice, though, that they kept it very family oriented um, like that. I thought that was very right. nice. Um, right. The ceremony oh, yeah. had a, a lot of music. Yep. Um, one um, by Andrew Lloyd Webber, who, uh, you know, wrote Phantom of the Opera, Cats, you know, the Andrew Lloyd Webber. I actually really enjoyed his song. You know, there's a lot of different stages of the uh, coronation. The first part's called the recognition, where he is presented to the people um, and he proclaims, you know, himself. And he did it to in all four different directions. I believe that's the part. Yeah. And they they yeah. shouted, God save the king. And the trumpets would sound after each one. And, and then the only part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then stage two is the oath, where he literally he ha- gave two oaths. So there was the the accession declaration oath that stated that he was a faithful Protestant, and then obviously his oath to be king, the coronation oath, which is a legal requirement. And he signed all the signed the oaths, and yeah, the third stage, which is the one part that no one can see. So they brought these. Uh, screens out so that no one could see is the anointing it's it's a very spiritual thing it's it's you know special oil and it's only between the archbishop of canterbury and the king or whoever is being crowned so obviously Mm -hmm. no one saw that um but that's stage three and then stage four is the investiture and that's when he gets crowned and it's the only time in his life that he's going to wear this crown and it's St. Edward's crown, which apparently is extremely heavy. Yeah. They said it's like about five pounds. Five pounds. Yeah. Five pounds. I've loved yeah. listening to, to uh, Queen Elizabeth talk about it. She hated that crown. But again, she only wore it once. You only wear it this one time after that, they just put it back in the vault. Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny. The commentary was mentioning how um, in like some past interview, that Charles gave, he actually shared some memories he had about, you know, around the time his mother was coronated. And he said, he apparently said he remembered that he would see her practicing wearing the crown up and down the hallways, and she would even wear old curtains as, like, uh, a mm-hmm. replica robe, like the robe. ape. <laughs> yeah, to get used to how to wear these things That's for smart. hours on end. At, yeah, because yeah, you, I mean, you think about it, they wear it all day. Yeah, or at least for a long time. Right. So apparently, he does have memories of her like walking up and down, you know, the hallways of Buckingham Palace, wearing, you know, like looking completely ridiculous, like this, like a crown and like, you know, some old curtains. Uh, but, That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, he was he was four at the t- like about four at the time, so that's actually a pretty good memory to even have. Yeah, I believe he said he didn't really remember the actual coronation. He was there, though. Um, yeah. Princess Anne was not. She was too young. She was only, like, two. 
Right. So. But yeah, so after he's decked out in this like gold coat and given the orb and the ring and the scepter and all that stuff, they put the St. Edward's crown on him and, you know, the bells ring for two minutes, the trumpets sound, the gun salutes and, you know, it's official. The king is is there. <laughs> um, age five is the enthronement where he's moved to his throne chair. And this is where the Prince of Wales, well, so they said traditionally a succession of royals and peers pay homage, but in this case, they only did the Prince of Wales. He really kind of cut down everything, again, so that the ceremony didn't take five hours. His mother's coronation was five hours long. This was only two hours long, so, you know. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but but it was still long. Yes. Um, Yeah. But instead of inviting a lot of people up, they asked people listening at home to pledge allegiance to his majesty. Um, And they asked, the words were, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law, so help me God. And uh, William was the first one to do it, and he gave his dad a nice kiss on the cheek. It was very nice. Nice little moment. Yeah. I was like, I kind of remember like, you know, when I was watching with my parents, like about this part, I was, I kind of pointed out to them that like, you know, it may look kind of silly and it may sound kind of silly in in modern times, but I did point out how, you know, 500, 600 years ago, this whole section where you have to pay homage to the king, it was like very serious business Mm -hmm. because it's like, you're doing it and you're doing this in front of hundreds of your peers and you swore in front of all these people that you will, that, you know, you're basically swearing allegiance to this guy, that this guy is your king, you swore allegiance to him, you said all these vows, and then, so now you can't go, you can't go around plotting things against him. Right. <laughs> because the moment they find out you were, you were doing something behind his back, plotting against him, yeah, off with your head, basically. Yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> It was very serious business, so. Yeah, now they're just like, oh, when you're home, just say, you know, I pledge allegiance to the king. (laughs) We pledge allegiance to the flag, they pledge allegiance to their king. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The next was the crowning of the queen, which we all, I feel like, feel the same way, but Camilla is uh, the queen, queen consort, but they just call her Queen Camilla. She was crowned and enthroned, but she didn't have to take an oath because it's by proxy, basically. (laughs) So, like, if anything is to happen to Charles, she will, you know, will still always be called Queen Camilla, but she will no longer be queen. Uh, Kate would then become queen consort and William would become king. She gets nada, but she wore Queen Mary's crown. Which is pretty surprising they did that yeah because for people who have listened to our earlier episode a few episodes back episode 83 which was our british royal family scandals yeah the queen mary we're referring to is uh charles's uh great-grandmother queen mary uh formerly mary of tech wife of king george v 
Yeah, we uh, know how she feels about uh, certain members of the family that were scandalous. Yes, she was. She disowned her son. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. She disowned her own son. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> you know. And now. She is rolling in her grave right now over the fact that Camilla was crowned with her crown. She is rolling in her grave. Let's just be honest. She's a very she outspoken woman. No punches were ever pulled. And, uh, you know, but she was all about, you know, tradition and, and making sure that the monarchy was always in good standing and stuff like that. I would have been, I would have been curious if, like, what she would have thought about Charles and Diana, if they hadn't got gotten divorced, that's what I would wonder. Uh, because on the one hand, okay, hypothetically, if they had never gotten divorced and they tried to make this work somehow, would she still have disapproved of it or not? That's that's the that's that what if question. Because obviously I, she passed. Because she obviously she passed away long before this ever happened. But, right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think if Charles hadn't cheated on Diana, I think it would have been better, obviously. Right. You know, I, I think that was it. And I think it was the more the, not so much the fact that he cheated that upset Diana so much is that he flaunted it in her face, right. you know? Well, yeah, he, 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 didn't... he wore the cufflinks that Camilla got him on their wedding day. Yeah. So, I mean, he flaunted the fact that he didn't love Diana. I think he, and that he was in love with her. Camilla. I do think he loved Diana. There was definitely a love there. It just wasn't like, like Camilla was the love of his life or is, excuse me, is yeah. the love of his life, you know? Yeah. And, and it stinks because of the royal family. He wasn't allowed to be with the love of his life, yeah. but it just caused so much chaos. <laughs> yeah i i think that was more the i i think the fact of maybe if charles had been more discreet about his affair with camilla and maybe maybe it wouldn't have been quite as devastating for diana yeah you know and the the media backlash that she got and the royal backlash that she got but I mean, then. But I mean, she was a like you like you said, Sam. She's a she was a master at uh, playing the media. Oh yeah, she was. And I, I mean, she had, but she had to be, which yeah. was sad. She had to be that master of playing the media. But Diana, as amazing a woman as she was, and she was, she did a lot. She was still for flawed. A lot of people. Yeah. She was not the perfect person everyone thought she was. She had her own demons, obviously had a lot of mental health issues that were not taken care of. And, but she used the media to her advantage and made sure she came out looking better than she probably should have. But, but yeah, honestly, it's, it was, it, it was both of them. Let's just be honest. It was, it was, it was both sides. Diana and Charles, neither of them did right. And, and, and they shouldn't have gotten married. But it was too late. And, but it, it would, it's just, you think about it, she would still be alive if they hadn't divorced, most likely, unless obviously something else 
uh, tragic would have happened. But so she would have been crowned. That would have been a sight to see. Yeah. 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 I think she still like she still had some star power to her that might have made people tolerate the monarchy. Yes, I a agree. lot more. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I'm, yeah, and I mean, I, there's always going to be yeah, because there's always going to be that segment that you know wishes it was like fully republic slash democratic, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think popular opinion probably would have been a higher percentage of supportive of the monarchy like the way it was you know 20 30 years ago even and i do think william and kate may bring it back a little bit not that much like i don't think they're, it's going to do a whole 180 but i think more the public opinion will improve with william and kate because they are very highly respected mm-hmm. in like the uk and the commonwealth and all that um i mean kate looked gorgeous she's very she's very regal and just, I mean, she's going to make such a beautiful queen when when that happens. And uh, yeah, but I I did like her uh, slight snub on on Camilla because technically she wasn't supposed to wear a tiara. But you cannot tell me that ha- that floral headdress she was wearing was not not as much as close to a tiara as she could get without it actually being a freaking tiara. Wait, and then she had a matching one. I know, and they, and I mean, she looked absolutely. I mean, Charlotte looked absolutely adorable, and Kate looked absolutely beautiful in it. But I'm just like, that that was basically as big of a middle finger as she could give without giving a middle finger. <laughs> and I loved yeah. it. And I loved it. I'm sorry. I just, I did. That was great. So after she's crowned, then they take communion. And, uh, and then they, when they leave their, their thrones and enter St. Edward's Chapel, which is behind the altar. Uh, Charles removed St. Edward's crown and put on the Imperial State crown. And then joined the procession to leave the Abbey at the National Anthem. Um, And the Imperial crown is lighter. It is 2.3 pounds as opposed to the five pounder that he was wearing so that's good and we see had a lighter one on the way out and then uh, like i mentioned on the way out they went into the gold state coach um which was built in 1762 and has been used at every coordination since 1831 there you go and according to everyone who's ridden in it is just completely unbearable yeah (laughs) so yeah I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, some of these, some of these like various items involved in the coronation, they're like very old, very, very old. Yeah. Which is amazing, mm-hmm. really, from a historical perspective. Yeah. So, and then they took mm-hmm. the, the procession back to Buckingham Palace. He went into the back and was presented to the troops. They all did a hip, hip, hooray three times. And then, they did um, the Buckingham Palace fly past, which is about a six-minute thing with all the different planes from the military shooting off. You know, they shoot the red, white, and blue. And you have the whole royal family on the balcony. And they did do it a little differently where they kept the families on the outside and just Charles and Camilla were center, which people thought were was a little weird. But someone 
I don't remember on what channel because I watched it on um, Sky TV, which is a British channel, but I watched it on YouTube. And someone had said, like, if you think about it, and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, he's just being a baby or whatever. But like his whole life, Charles was overshadowed by his mother and then he was overshadowed by his wife and then he was overshadowed by his children. This is really the first time that he got to be number one. This was his day. This was all about him. He was like, I'm going to be in the middle and you all can be on the outside. <laughs> I kind of don't blame him. I really don't. I do yeah. like that too. I mean, to be, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it is, it really is his day. I mean, he's the one who's being crowned king right. officially. Like, it's not even about her. It's, it's all about him. She was just a secondary thing, but whatever. So, yeah. So that was the coronation. And uh, we can go over a couple people that were at the coronation. Obviously, the royal family, Princess Anne and her husband, Prince Edward, Prince Andrew, uh, Princess Beatrice and her husband, uh, Princess Eugenie and her husband, Prince Harry was there, mm-hmm. a bunch of other prince and princess. Everyone, the royal family was there. I'm just going <laughs> to throw it out there. Right. Um, and even some yeah, of their cousins, yeah, cousins. Um, a lot of Queen Elizabeth's cousins were there and stuff like that, which again, awesome family affair, you know. Um, and then a lot of foreign royals. So you have Prince and Princess of Monaco, uh, the Crown Prince and Princess of Japan, the Crown Prince and Princess of Denmark. King and Crown Princess of Sweden, King and Queen of Spain, uh, Crown Prince and Princess of Norway, Grand Duke and Grand Duchess of Luxembourg, uh, the Queen and Crown Prince of Greece, King and Queen of the Netherlands, the King of New Zealand, um, the King and Queen of Belgium, the King and Queen of Bhutan, the King and Queen of Thailand, King and Queen of Tonga, the Royals of Ghana, King and Queen of Jordan, the Royals of Malaysia, Prince and Princess of Liechtenstein, the King of Bahrain, Prince of Kuwait, King of Aswanti, King of Lesotho, Prince of Saudi Arabia, uh, Royal of the United Arab uh, Emirati, Royals of Qatar, Royals of Oman, Royals of Brunei, Princess of Morocco. My goodness. Wow. I'm actually surprised there's still there's still a crown prince of Greece at this point. Yeah, a queen. Because I thought... There's a queen of oh. Greece and her husband. I didn't even think those titles still existed anymore. Or Me, you know, I'm telling okay. you, when I'm going through, I was like, I didn't realize how many countries still had monarchies. Or at least they're like ceremonial anyway. Yeah. Acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I I know that like Prince Philip had to give up his um yeah, his titles yeah of Greece and Denmark um to become a British citizen and therefore he could marry well no actually he could still marry I think he could still marry Queen Elizabeth at the time but he still had to like give it up I guess to be considered a British subject or something yeah maybe. Or I misremembered that. So that's why, like, I was... But, you know, I didn't realize they still acknowledged 
a royal family in Greece. I mean, obviously, they're not actually ruling anything, but, you know. Obviously, Camilla's been... Oh, and then obviously with the U.S., you had um, the First Lady and her granddaughter. So Dr. Biden and, and their granddaughter came, which so cool for their granddaughter. She got to go. Right. But yeah, so Camilla's family was there, her children, her nieces and nephews. And as weird as it sounds, her ex-husband was also there. Hmm. So that had to be a little weird. Yeah. Um, the Princess of Wales, Kate, uh, her family was there, her brother, sister, parents. Um, so they were all there. Obviously, all the UK leaders and prime, you know, the prime minister and all. There's just way too many people to go through for the the British government, um, British nobility. Obviously, there was a bunch of people there. Obviously, uh, various heads of state, the president of France, prime minister of Canada, uh, governor general of Canada, president of Poland. As I mentioned, our first lady, Jill Biden, um, prime minister of Australia. Prime Minister of New Zealand, and then their governor generals, Prime Minister of Pakistan, President of Germany, President of Italy, Vice President of India, Vice President of China, President of Ireland, President and First Lady of the Philippines, President and First Lady of Paraguay, of the European Union Commission, Union Council President, European Parliament, uh, United Nations, uh, Ministers of Bosnia, and Herzegovina. I'm so sorry if that was wrong. Uh, That's about right. <laughs> right? It, yeah. Trying to sound it out. Uh, Prime Minister of Bangladesh, President of Cyprus, President of Sri Lanka, President of Senegal, Belize, uh, the Bahamas, uh, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Vietnam, Zimbabwe, Czech Republic, Brazil, Austria. Andorra and Nepal. Wow. Not all of them were presidents. Some of them sent like like with Joe Biden didn't go. He sent his wife. They brought you know they sent a representative. Not all of them were presidents, but those are all the countries that were represented. Right. Um, obviously various. But, oh, the other thing that I liked, he had so many different religious representatives there. He had a rabbi. He had. Um, a Buddhist, you know, I think every single religion was accounted for, you know, Sikhism, Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, Judaism, all there because he believes in religious freedom. I thought that was fantastic. Right. Um, And then obviously there was celebrities. I don't really know many of these people except for Lionel Richie and Katy Perry. That was there. Oh, um, I know Maggie Smith was there. The dame, dames were there. So Maggie Smith, uh, Judy Dench, Judy Dench, Dench Judy Dench, um, and um, Dame Emma Thompson. One of the my daughter's named after uh, <laughs> was also there. Is that who she was named after? Partly. Oh, cool. But yeah, so he had members of his different charities there and all that stuff. So that was the the bulk of the people. That were there, so you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of different uh, countries represented, and you know, sounds like a blast. But as as many people were were celebrating, there was also 
mixed feelings on on the subject. And I know we kind of talked about this a little bit before we uh, we got on, but yeah, there was protesters there, and um, the protesters were mostly for you know Republicans who want to abolish the monarchy, which you know I get it. You know, at this point, they're they're ahead of you know they're the head of state. They can't really be political on anything, but like, how much power do they actually have? And you know, they they get all this money from the people, and you know, it's I get it, I do, I understand. Do I think the monarchy is going to be abolished? No, not at least not maybe in our lifetime. Yeah, because like um, our friend from the UK that we chit chat with, um, she basically confirmed um, a question I had asked, which was like, isn't it like something that parliament or some kind of like legal thing had to happen before the monarchy can really be abolished? And she was like, yeah, basically. So it's like, unless there's like somebody in parliament who has the the audacious, the audacity to actually suggest such a proposal and then they somehow get a bunch of other MPs to agree to that proposal. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon either. Again, I understand why people don't want to or don't want it anymore. I do. I get it, but I just don't, I just don't see it happening as sad as that is. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't see. Yeah. Like, you know, as of right now, anyway, it just doesn't seem like, there's anybody in parliament who has the guts to actually suggest such a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, if nobody has, you know, if not even a single person has the nerve to even throw it out, throw the idea even out there, then there's definitely no way this is ever going to happen. Right. And then I think really the only other people that had anything negative to say about just, it in general are the pro Harry and Meghan people that I feel like are mostly Americans. <laughs> um, I think that's, yeah. I, I just think it's really funny that there are actually some Americans that are still, oh. you know, siding with them. Oh my God. Yeah. That's- like I'm telling you, I saw so many people, he's our King. He's, you know, he's American. He's, you know, he's such a, a good guy. You know, why would you want to stay there? Why would you want to, be? I'm so happy he left that toxicity. And, but he was just as toxic, you know, like, I'm not saying that the Royal he's family still just is toxic, but it's not like the, you know what? Like the Royal family could have very well have leaked stuff, but he did the same thing. <laughs> he did the same thing. And again, my biggest thing is, is that he, him and Megan left the royal family, which I have no problem with. And honestly, I don't think they would have had a problem with it. You know, if he had gone to the queen and said, listen, you know, we don't want to be working royals anymore, even though they went there and said, we only want to be part-time, you know, where they still wanted the money, but they didn't want to do all the work. And the queen was like, ah, no. But, you know, whatever. They decided to walk away from the working royal life. I don't think that would have been an issue. What happened is you left and then attacked to the fullest extent. And you, you, oh, we want privacy, but I'm going to put out a Netflix documentary and I'm going to put out a book that is all your side 
you know the family can't respond they like they can't and like so everyone's taking their word as like whatever we did a, an episode on them i don't want to waste too much time on it but i was happy that he went you know and supported his right. father and it you know it was weird because he apparently flew in on he he left la on like thursday night got in on friday spent friday at his cottage that he's going to be losing basically in in england um and went to the coronation on saturday literally left from westminster abbey went back to the airport and flew home so he didn't talk to anybody as far as i know he you know except for like his cousins or whatever at the ceremony but like as far as i know he didn't speak to his brother he didn't speak to his father like i mean he maybe they did um but as far as i as far as i've heard they did not but the one thing i did hear was that charles did mention that he was very happy that both of his sons were going to be there and he seemed like he was in good spirits so i was happy about that you know like that was that was good on his part that he did that so yeah give you some kudos harry i will give you some kudos for that but that's it you're done now <laughs> um yep. and then i think the only other negative thing like i said was people were kind of upset that you know even though he did cut down a lot with the coronation it still costs over a hundred million pounds and england right now is in a crisis a financial crisis along obviously with the rest of the world but they call it like the living wage crisis so there's people who are literally suffering from because they can't support themselves their families whatever and here comes the royal family in their expensive clothing and their diamonds and gold you know state coaches and you know with all of the police and just everything and just all the money that got put into this and it all came from tax dollars and that money probably could have been put to better use. But what are you going to do? Right. I mean, on top of that, the, the thing is, is that you can't completely blame the monarchy for that. Because from what I recalled, technically, Parliament um, had a lot of involvement in the coronation ceremony, if I remember correctly, when... Because I believe this came up around the time, obviously, when, you know, the queen passed away, you know, it it did come up because it's like, well, obviously, Charles is now technically the king, even though he didn't go through the actual ceremony yet, but he was technically the king. And then eventually the question came up, like, well, when is the coronation going to happen? And, you know, amongst the discussion, it did come up from what I can recall that it's technically parliament is a big part of like organizing this whole thing. So it's like, well, I get you can complain about, you know, the Royal family spending all this money, but it's like, well, what about parliament here? Right. (laughs) You know? Right. But, you know, unfortunately being the face of the country comes with getting the backlash of the country, I think. You yeah. know, so it is because it's so funny because it is because so many people are like, well, he's the king. He could, he, 
doesn't mean he can just do whatever the heck he wants. He still has to answer to Parliament. At the end of the day, Parliament still makes the rules. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the Magna Carta, and then there was that temporary uh, revolution without a monarchy for a few years. Uh, You know, with a certain Mr. Oliver Cromwell. (laughs) That kind of of put a stopper on that, uh, you know, absolute monarchy business. Yeah. Yep, so, oh yeah. But other than that, I mean, I thought um, it was a nice ceremony. Again, not that I've ever seen a coronation, so it seemed fine. Um, I thought he, it must have been a hard day for Charles because, again, as as even though it's a day that he's been working towards his entire life, it's just another reminder, like, his mom's gone, you know, and as... Bittersweet. Yeah, very bittersweet. I'm sure it was, he looked emotional at times. He really did. He looked emotional at times. I think people considered it like grumpy or straight faced. I thought it was almost emotional. Um, yeah, I, I think he would, he was hoping as much as he knows it was not possible, but for something like that, he would have, he wanted, you know, he wanted his mom there, yeah. you know? No matter what, that was still his mother. Absolutely. You know, just like no matter what happens with him and William and Harry, Harry is still his son. That is still Harry's dad. Whether they're, whether they ever speak again or not, that has no bearing on anything. That is still the man that is half of Mm -hmm. him. That is half of Harry. Yep. You know. Agreed. It's. I think people have forgotten things like forget things like that. Yeah. That even if they are, even if you are fighting with family members or you don't particularly like a family member anymore, they're still family. You still, there's still a love there that, that never really goes away. Yeah. It's always there. It, it may be a very, very small part, but it's there. And if, and then if something would happen, it's painful. I don't care what you say. It's pain. I don't care what people say. It's painful. Yeah. And it is okay to grieve someone that you don't like. Of course. Of course. I think people forget that. You know? Oh, yeah. Not that we're talking about them grieving or anything. I mean, they are grieving for the queen, but. Right. At the same time. Right. You know, Charles will pass someday. It's not all cut and dry. Exactly. It's not black right. and white. The world is in shades of gray. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So. And not 50 shades of gray. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, no. Mm-mm. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. British version. No. <laughs> Royal version. <laughs> oh, dear God. Let's not get into that. <laughs> Next coronation will be Williams and I wonder if he thought about that you know mm. like next time he does this it'll be Probably. him but at the same time like that's I'm sad because sure that means his did. dad's gone like, yeah yeah, yeah. But we'll probably see it in our lifetime so most likely most likely yeah God yeah willing. we'll be old well I'll be old yeah we, I mean yeah. Charles has longevity on on both sides so yeah so I <laughs> 
<sighs> I fully expect I'll probably be in I'll probably be in my sixties or seventies when it happens. Isn't that crazy to think hmm. about? Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's going to get really interesting, though, at some point when, you know, William ends up becoming king. The the amount of title shuffling that's going to happen is just wild to think yeah. about. Because you imagine by that point, chances are Andrew will probably be gone, too. So the Duke of York title is going to be open. And chances are that's probably going to be little Louie. Mm. Oh, he was so cute. And same thing with, and, and same thing with like the with Princess Royal, which is Anne's title. That's probably going to go to Charlotte. Right. So, yeah, that that title shuffling is going to be wild. We'll get to we'll get to see all the cards get get reshuffled in the deck. All right, thank you guys so much for listening to our episode about the coordination. Let us know in uh, comments on social media or through email what you thought. And join us for next week's episode where I will be reviewing the new live-action Little Mermaid movie. And to preface, spoiler alert. See you next week. Did you like what you heard on our episode today? Well, then feel free to come back and listen to us again. You can find us on all different streaming sites, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, we're there. And if you really like us, feel free to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Three Fates Decide. That's T-H-R-E-E Fates Decide. You can also email us at threefatesdecide at gmail.com. And check out our website at threefatesdecide.com to find other episodes, information about your three hosts, and all of our other links. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Three Fates Decide.